from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. We have four texts that are set before us uh, this morning, four brief texts that will set the pace, uh, not just for today's sermon, uh, but for the sermons that will follow after it, even into the summertime. The first text is from Genesis, the first chapter, verses 1 through 5, then Psalm 27, just the first verse, and then Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And then one verse from the Gospel of John, the third chapter, verse 8. Listen to God's word to you and to me. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness God called night. And there was evening. And there was morning the first day. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You are the light of the world, says Jesus. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus says the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people than those who have joined into this live stream, who are watching on TV that we would be different, that we would have exactly what we need so that we would be transformed even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Well, friends, today we, we launch a sermon series that will take us through the end of July. I started putting this series together, at least in my head, uh, following an email I received the Monday after Easter. 
It came from Mark Ramsey. Mark is the executive director of Macedonian Ministry. Uh, that ministry is based here in Atlanta, but it's an international movement that's committed to developing pastors and congregations for creative leadership within their own contexts and communities. So it was Easter Monday, and we had just come off of Holy Week, and Holy Week in normal circumstances requires an intense pace to keep up with all the services and all the gatherings for the clergy and the staff and the entire congregation. This year in COVID-19 time, uh, Holy Week, not to mention all of our ministries since uh, about March the 12th, uh, they've seemed to require that much more energy, uh, that much more stamina and drive. For those in our community, you know that a lot of ministry has been happening in these days, and we've tried to mark that ministry. We've tried to tell the story of that ministry in different ways. We've, we've marked it and told the story of it uh, in, in ways that reflected on prayer that we're having uh, with members in the hospital over the phone. Uh, we've marked it in regular Zoom gatherings with our children and youth ministries. We've, we've marked it in online uh, Bible studies, including a Bible study with our 20s and 30s group who connected uh, via Zoom with uh, 20s and 30s ministries with our partner churches in Brazil. We've marked this time of ministry with daily devotionals. We've, we've had close to 30 small groups and Bible studies continue uh, logging in and connecting remotely. Uh, the church's Zoom account has, has, uh, has gathered close to 400 hours of time with 2,700 participants. We marked this ministry on Easter Sunday with about 4,000 households worshiping together online. We, we've marked this time of ministry with extra mile in kind and, and financial gifts and, and in support of, of those who are most vulnerable through our continued community ministries and our Meals on Wheels. A lot of ministry has been happening over the course of these past six weeks. But when Easter Monday came, we were all tired. We were exhausting. And then Mark's email blast came early in the morning, and, and in it he, he tapped into our exhaustion but was not content to leave us there. He wrote, this Easter was anything but normal. Every congregation focused so diligently to get its online or drive-in worship together in addition to the ongoing work of connecting with those who are most vulnerable. He said you could almost hear the collective sigh of exhaustion Easter Sunday afternoon. It felt like a mountain had been climbed and everyone was in need of a break to catch their breath. He goes on to say that breaks and rest are important, of course, but now it's time to be on the move. There are much taller mountains to climb. He said it's time to be on the move, first of all, because that's what the gospel tells us about the time right after Easter, that Jesus is not here. He has gone on ahead of you. The first Easter is, a bo is both rather an account of where Jesus is not, the empty tomb, and the announcement of where he actually is already ahead of us at work in Galilee. The church, he concludes, has been running to catch up to Jesus ever since. Uh, 
never more than in this urgent moment. Friends, this congregation's mission statement is summarized with a single sentence. First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta exists to humbly follow Jesus Christ. And Mark is right. Jesus is still on the move. The risen Lord still walks the earth, global pandemic or not, and our call is to follow him. And in so many ways, our call is to keep up with him. But we are tired. Uh, We're all a little worn out. It's hard to keep pace. We know the moment that we face remains urgent. And we know we're called to be the church for one another and for our city and for the world. But, But so many of us are exhausted. About two weeks ago, prior to, uh, about two months ago, rather, um, right before the shutdown, the city of Atlanta hosted the U.S. Olympic marathon trial, and part of the course is is about 100 yards from where I'm uh, currently standing, right outside the sanctuary doors on Peachtree Street. And some of you who live here in Atlanta watched that race in person, while others of you, like me, watched it on television. These these women and men are uh, some of the most elite athletes in the world. But even they, right, along uh, their training or in a given race, even they can cramp up. They can land their foot in an awkward way to cause uh, pain. They can begin to develop soreness in their body in a particular muscle that might nag them throughout the whole race. Even the most elite athletes can get tired. Even the most elite athletes get out of breath. And of course, you don't have to be an elite athlete to know this feeling. Some of us get tired just walking up and down the stairs. When we're exerting energy, right, and we start to lose our breath, we often say that we are winded. As I said, even elite athletes can get uh, winded, but part of what makes them elite Uh, is their physical and mental mental capacity built on hours upon hours of training, their capacity to find their second wind, to find more breath, to find more energy to run the race. You saw it in the uh, Olympic trials, right? Elite athletes finding their second wind and, and pushing harder and harder toward the finish line. And in many cases, at least for those at the front of the pack, they were running faster in the second 13.1 miles than in the first 13.1 miles. Being the church in COVID-19 time, being a follower of Jesus Christ at any time is a marathon. It's not a sprint. As one pastor put it, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And on that journey, we get tired. We get worn out. And, and we look for that second wind. We wonder where it's going to come from. We, we look for restored breath. It's so interesting to me, and I think it's interesting to note this morning all the ways the scriptures speak of the Holy Spirit of God 
using the imagery or using the metaphor of wind or the imagery of breath. In Genesis chapter 1, we discover that it's the wind of God, that it's the, that it's the breath of God that hovers over the waters and that was present at creation. We hear in the Gospel of John, the third chapter, verse 8, the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. So not only does the breath of God, does the wind of God create, but it also moves us. It also empowers us. It, it directs us and, and gives us exactly what we need to go where it's leading us. So here's what I'm thinking. As we, tired and exhausted and worn out people in so many ways, we're called to keep following Jesus in and for the world, and we need a second wind from God. We need restored breath. We need restored and renewed energy and intelligence and imagination and love. We need the Holy Spirit to hover over us right now, right where we are, just like the breath of God hovered over the waters at creation so that we may have what we need to continue this marathon, so we may persevere with faith, hope, and love. This sermon series is entitled Second Wind, Second Light. And, and hopefully you now understand what I'm thinking of when it comes to the first part of this series, that we need a second wind. And friends, I believe that God is going to give us exactly what we need. I, I think God is ready to give us renewed energy, renewed strength, renewed breath to keep running this race. That's the second, that's the first part rather of this series. Uh, the second part of this series is second light. And I want to address this idea now. One of the core confessions of our faith uh, is that God is our light and our salvation. That comes from Psalm 27, verse 1, that God is our light and our salvation. And for the past 2,000 plus years, Christians in all contexts have confessed that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Referring to Jesus every Christmas time, we remember that a light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. He is the light of the world, and it's, and it's his light that guides us. It's, it's his light that we must see. It's his light that we must follow. As it says in the Barman Declaration, Jesus Christ, as he is attested to in Holy Scripture, is the one word of God. May we add the one light of God whom we have to see, whom we have to hear, who we have to trust and obey in life and in death. But Jesus isn't the only light the New Testament speaks of. In fact, Jesus himself talks about another light, something that I'm calling a second light. In Matthew 5, Jesus says to his followers, which includes anyone who bears the name Christian, he says to you and to me, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. 
No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Friends, we are called to be second light people. We are a light that points to the light who is Jesus the Christ. This is one of the principal images and metaphors for the church to embrace, that we are a light to the world. So this series, in essence, friends, is all about receiving our second wind so that we may continue to be a second light, that we can receive new breath and new energy so that we may continue to be light for this world. But how are we going to do that? And to add to to that inquiry, how are we going to do it without seeming trite, without seeming sentimental, without being too abstract? How are we going to think about our second wind? How are we going to, to, to receive our call to be a second light people in the midst of so much uncertainty, in the midst of of, of, of economic peril, in so much disequilibrium, in so much loss. And friends, for that journey and for this series, I couldn't think of a more appropriate way to address those questions than to turn to the post-resurrection stories from the gospel writer Luke. For in the final chapters of his gospel and well into his account of the birth of the early church in a book that we call Acts, we discover a community that is seeking to discover its second wind and is seeking to discern what it means to be second light people, even against the backdrop of darkness, even against the backdrop of persecution and uncertainty and minority status and and changing theological intuitions and limited political power. You see, in the Luke-Acts post-resurrection story, we meet imperfect people seeking to perfect their love seeking to perfect a way of being community for one another and for the world. And so in these ancient stories, what I hope within this series, and as we turn to these stories, I hope we'll find a fresh perspective on what it means for us to be community for one another, for the city of Atlanta or wherever you find yourself today, and for the world. With that, I offer one final thought, and it really uh, is an invitation. I know there are many of us in this time of disorientation and uh, disconnection, that there are many of us who are genuinely longing for authentic expressions of community and, and are questing after connection with God, real and powerful and transformative connections with God and, and even with one another. So many of us in these days have taken account of how we have spent our time, how we have filled up our schedule in pre-COVID-19 times. And we've recognized how much of that 
and how much attention and time we're giving to things not that are driven by good for good things for us or or good things for the world or or even faithfulness in, in so many ways as we've taken account of our pre-COVID-19 time, we've realized that we've been driven by ideologies and outcomes that are really not all that life-giving, that are really not all that authentic. They, they don't necessarily produce good in us or produce good in the world. And we're taking account of some of those things and we're taking account with some of the ways that we have been dissatisfied without how normal life has gone. And we're thinking about ways in which that can change. I know so many of us have been and find ourselves on a quest to discover authentic community, to discover real relationships which are truly life-giving and wonder what that might all look like on the other side of this. And so I'm reminded of an illustration from the from the pen of the famous 20th century British author and social critic G.K. Chesterton. Uh, In one of his books, he tells the story of a man who sets out on a journey to discover new islands in the South Sea. But as he embarks on his journey, he miscalculates his course and and he winds up actually just landing on the shores of England. He thinks, however, that he has discovered a new land when in actuality, he has discovered something that has already been discovered. Chesterton uses this story to talk about his own journey toward the Christian faith. And since his childhood, he, he writes that he was on a quest for truth and he was on a quest for authentic connection and community, that he was on a quest for full and abundant life. This journey of the sailor was his journey to discover a new land, a new habitation. And so he set sail on this quest only to discover something that had already been discovered something that was discovered when he was writing 1,900 years earlier. Friends, this sermon series is an invitation to everyone questing for true and authentic community. This series is an invitation for the tired and the worn out, looking for a place to find and discover our second wind of renewed breath and a place where we can truly belong. This is an invitation to discover something that has actually already been discovered. Authentic and imperfect community seeking to perfect the love of God and the love of neighbor in order to be light for the entire world. So in this series, I'd invite you to discover something that has already been discovered. In this series, I'd invite you to find something that has already been found. By turning our attention to these ancient stories of the first Christian community and its formation, a community who received its second wind, and a community who struggled and quested to live into its identity as second light people. So for all of us who are in quest, for all of us who are searching, May we turn to ones who have found what they were looking for. And may we find our second wind 
and what it means to be light for this world. Amen.